With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, what's up there, listeners? This is your host, David Scales of Surf Splendor. Welcome back to a new episode of Surf News with my co-host, Scott Bass. And um, not really too much to say. I'll give you the basics, as always. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is the website if you want to find all the videos and photos and things that we discuss in this show. And then you can just find us on social media at Surf Splendor. All right. Enjoy today's show. Jay Bay is starting in a mere less than 12 hours, I think. So if you're listening to this um, soon... Get your fantasy team set. Send in a wager if you want to play that game. You can find out all that info on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Just click the Fantasy Surfer button if you want to play with us. And I think that is it to discuss in my preamble. So enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Friggin' yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody, down the line, Surf Talk Radio. I'm Scott Bass, along with uh, our co-host, my co-host, the co-host, David Scales, one who uh, many have suggested is the backbone of this broadcast. David, welcome. Is that what many have suggested? I love it. <laughs> yeah. My I think friend. of myself as the front, but well, actually, I don't know. Whoa. I was going to say, what's the opposite of backbone? But then that sounded yeah. super homoerotic, so I will not say that. No. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. By the way, I've manufactured a microphone or microphone padded stand for Scott Bass for any table thumping that listeners have been complaining about. We're going to try to put an end to that madness. The table thumping will never end. No, I hope it does. We'll see. You know, I get a, I get a little excited about some of these topics, apparently. Well, and I thump on the table. Speaking of... Uh, you're a man of exquisite passion, Scott. Thank you, my friend. Speaking of uh, passion... I got an email here, David. I want to read it to the listeners. It's about and refers to the interview that Paul Speaker did with Stuart Varney on Fox Business. Yep. Many of you saw the interview. It was sort of viral on the internet, at least in the surf space. We talked about it. And we talked about it. And, um, you know, in a nutshell, Paul Speaker sort of came across as unauthentic to the core fan like you and I and the rest of the listeners. Totally. And so here's this email from my friend Greg W. in Del Mar, California. He says, the bummer here on so many levels is the game that Paul Speaker is playing is with the public to fool them into facts and numbers that are patently untrue, even absurd. And that in order to meet the WSL's goals of an NFL-like public recognition and love, the real enthusiasts, the real surf fans, the core audience, you and me, are being dismissed as irrelevant and unworthy in the pursuit of the interest of the casual non-enthusiast. That's the WSL's game, and it's totally insulting to anyone who cares, end quote, Greg W. from Del Mar. So Good my, call. My question to you, David, is 
As a core surf fan, do you feel insulted? Were you insulted by Speaker's interaction and interview with Varney, as Greg suggests? Uh, I didn't personally feel insulted, but I totally agree with that sentiment, is that that is what um, Speaker, in an effort to kind of try to gain these this broader audience is alienating the core audience in a sense now the flip side of that maybe is alienated strong though because that was really the crux of my question to you is i, yeah. I don't sense that you're alienated i sense well, that you're like yeah okay that's how you play the game i get it and i'm not insulted or alienated i'm going to continue to be involved i'm not personally but that is his intention by right. the way or or a result no, no, of his, his that's intention. a result yeah right so what i'm saying is that as an as the core audience, fortunately enough, I still get to watch Kelly Slater and Owen Wright surf Cloudbreak, and that's all I really want. How they discuss it doesn't insult me one way or the other, but I do acknowledge what, what he's saying is that, yeah, Speaker doesn't necessarily... I don't connect with Speaker at all on a no. personal level. No. Speaker looked at footage of Julian Wilson and thought it was Owen Wright. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So... So I definitely agree that like there's powers behind Speaker who I would probably be able to have a beer with and chat surfing with. Speaker isn't that guy. But to be perfectly honest, I'm okay with that. Oftentimes, the guys who are best equipped to run the company aren't the guys who you want to necessarily have a beer with or talk surfing with, you know? Right. I would agree with that. I, I don't think it feels like... Um myself or you or the core surf fan um, was marginalized in any way by the experience um you know it is what it is it's the it's the you know kooky ceo guy speaking with the kooky business guy and it's going to be kooky and totally. that's okay let's move on well also i think the reason why speaker strategy might be the correct strategy you mean is, newbie eyeballs over yes, core surf fans right. correct the reason why I think that may be accurate or, or the right way to go is I am a core surf fan. I surf more than most whatever people do, but I spend less money on surf product than some high school kid's mom does for him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Who doesn't actually surf. Right. So I get wetsuits pretty much, if not for free, at cost. I, I don't remember the last time I paid for a wetsuit. Um, surfboards, clothing, all of it. You know what I mean? So... He shouldn't really be catering to me because I'm not going to support his stuff. I'm going to help promote it and we're going to generate you, the content. Would you buy a Tag Hauer watch? Well, no, just on a moral position, I'm not going to buy a luxury watch. But right, right. but I agree. What I about do, a what about a phone from uh, Samsung? Samsung, yeah. Nope. <laughs> but that has to do more with you're going to you're smart enough to search out the marketplace and find the phone that best fits your needs. It's not like you're yeah, it's 16 not, and you're going I got to have a Samsung cuz Kelly said to. Correct. And I to your point, I do buy product. Do do you ever buy product based on hey, you know what? I like the WSL. I'm going to support them. Is there a product in there that's a great question. You know, because we do like the WSL and we do want to support them. We do want it to continue and, and flourish, right? Yes. I, I feel like, yes, there's times in my life where I've made that call, not necessarily with the WSL, but I will buy something specifically because I like Well, the like Kelly is a great example for yeah. me. Like, I will buy, I will try Perps. I will try Outer yeah. Known. I will do that because I just think he's such a great ambassador. True. I've, I've bought Patagonia stuff that I'll spend three times what I would normally spend on a pair of shoes just because I like... Yvonne Chouinard. I agree with that yeah. too. Yeah, I'm a fan of, and I have done that. Yeah. And I will continue to, but quite frankly, they make great product. Absolutely. So, you know, it, it's sort of ut not, utilitarian product, right? You know it works because yeah. those guys work it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 
it's not a charitable donation, no. but it's, I need to get something out of it. But yeah, it's an interesting point. Yeah. So Greg W., um, good email and um, certainly something to discuss and think about, you know, are we being sold down the river as core surf fans? Certainly they're marketing to the newbies and, and I'm okay with that as... Because at the end of the day, um, those newbies are at some point, right, are going to become core surf fans. Mm-hmm. And you have to appease the core. You know, it's kind of like NFL. You know, you just can't go, hey, you know what? We're going to do flag football this year. You know, it's like, no, but, you're not. But that's the thing. We're appeased because, again, they're surfing eight-foot cloud break. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So so we got what we want. Yeah, and I, I'll, we, I can touch on that later. I, I want to bring that up again this episode as sure. well. Um, anyway, that's my email. Good email, though. Um, nice Dwayne Allman shirt, by the way. The thing looks Hell crisp. Yeah. Did you just buy Dwayne that? Dwayne Allman, bro. <laughs> Did you just buy that? Got my Confederate flag waving it. Actually, yeah. interestingly, the Allman brothers were extremely um how what what's the word? They were um no, their band was integrated. Like for white guys from the south that oh, were like good old boy rednecks. Yeah. I just finished the the Dwayne Allman uh, biography called Sky Dog. Anyway, those guys were heavily they they were like super tight they had two they had one black drummer they were heavily involved with the black music scene they totally dug it they got into it so um the allman brothers were actually really uh in a, uh what's the term i'm looking for they were they were not racist right. they weren't segregated right, right, right. you know they didn't believe yeah. in jim crow or segregation forward thinking yes um, like, like the hippies that they were yeah peace <laughs> and love everything's cool it's a it's a black t-shirt did you iron it the thing looks like crisp, like you just... Hell yeah, I ironed it. It's the only you? t-shirt I will iron. <laughs> Dwayne Allman deserves that. That's awesome, man. Good job. <laughs> uh, my mom gave me an Allman Brothers Greatest Hits CD the other day. Did you throw it in the trash? No, I took it home. It's still wrapped. That's she, what we're playing right I now. Don't need, I know. I don't even know where she got it from, Like, but it was like it had a $1 price T- a sticker on it like it was in a she discount got, bin or something at the dollar store no she just like found it like in a discount bin or something and just randomly grabbed it and was like hey do you want this and i'm like i don't think i even have a cd player but i guess i'll take it you that's know? the greatest purchase and buy and a, value a that your mother maybe ever has ever got a dollar dude. can't received. beat it yeah can't beat it I'm like, do you have the digital version? You could just send me, Mom, because this is, is going to take up space. Isn't that digital? <laughs> well, it's, it's a physical copy. It's a physical copy, though. Right, but it's digital. I just wanted to email it to me. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so, how far back do you go? By the way, did you? Uh, how old are you? Forty? Thirty-three. Oh my God! I don't. I'm know. insulted. I need to wear more sunblock, dude. <laughs> okay, so you're thirty-three. So, did you? Have you ever purchased an album? Like when you were a kid? Oh, I know yeah. you've, you've probably bought vinyl now. Maybe if you're a vinyl guy or hey, whatever. I've got the most embarrassing thing I'm going to share with you right now, just because it's Donny Osmond album. No, 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 just because it's good pod. The very first album I bought, it was a cassette tape. You'll never guess it in a million years. What what genre? You got to give me the genre of music. Female, uh, who's now become female songstress who's like madonna no karen carpenter reba mcintyre amy grant heart-shaped box i think was the name of the amy grant amy grant she's become like a christian singer now at the time she was like pop i think well she started christian went pop she's probably back now she had like one hit and i was like 11 years old and i liked that one hit and somehow scrounged together you know 10 bucks and went and bought this cassette tape that's heavy yeah so embarrassing so you're bringing me back to the first music i ever purchased and um I think it was a Foreigner album, you know, mm. like Double Vision or whatever that song was. Well, I remember shortly thereafter, I ended up with The Doors, Double Side. I think it was The Greatest Hits as well. Yeah. And 
I was listening to it all the time, and yeah. the final track was the end. Oh, which best is song ever. best song ever, but super depressing. And again, I was like a young maybe 13 at the time listening to this on repeat and eventually i came home from school <laughs> my mom like, threw what is this? <laughs> she had thrown it in the trash can and i was like mom i saved my money for that and she's like i'm not gonna have my 13 year old listening to this depressing music you know because it's all about suicide and yeah, stuff yeah. and so uh we got into it over that maybe that's what the allman brother cd gift was it was a her trying to mend yeah she's like here's some optimism yeah They're like hey i feel bad for throwing that door cd away here's this maybe yeah. you can discuss that with her i'll tell you the doors she listens were... to the show by the way oh good shout out to my mom hello mrs scales the uh the doors were a big part of my high school experience as well and um i remember we had a poetry class and me and my buddy we were all about jim morrison and the poetry and the words and the whole trip and uh, but I, I think the best door song is when the music's over. Oh yeah, God, that is, the long version of that is insane. Yeah, such a good song, killer. Like when the organ bass line, special friend. Oh yeah, sing yeah. it, David. Oh, no, okay. Um, back to surfing. Back to surfing. I got a few things um, that are all related to surf filmmaking. If you want to get into that, sure, I would love to do that. I mean, this is something surf filmmaking is near and dear to my heart. I was, you know. I just, it was such an influential part of my surf existence growing up as a teenager. I loved surf film. And um, there's a lot of stuff going around on the web just in the last two weeks that are really worth discussing. One of which we discussed is my must-see moment last time, which is Surfer Magazine and Red Cameras partnered up to do this Red Direct video series. They're releasing about two or three videos a week. They have 11 filmmakers. Um, It's a competition. They gave 11 filmmakers this $50,000 Red Camera package to go out and make an original and unique surf film. And the 11 filmmakers have all submitted their stuff. And again, they're releasing them two or three a week for the next few weeks. And... um, the first one was John John Florence, which you and I both loved, and that was the must-see moment. But ever since then, every release has been a letdown. Like, one's worse than the next, basically. And I'm at the point where I just view this as like a completely squandered opportunity where they're doing nothing original at all. The objective was to make an original and unique surf film. These are highly unoriginal. They're all about six minutes. I don't know what the requirement was with length, but they're all about six minutes. And it's surfing set to music with B-roll cutaways of a sunset or the guys, the the Coffin Brothers driving down the highway in a car pulling over to check the surf. They're, They're just like exactly like every surf film we've ever seen. And with mediocre surfing, none of the surfing in it is that particularly good, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, it's interesting, you know, surf filmmaking, like where do we go from here? You know, it's all gotten rather cliche. Um, I too took in, uh, I believe every single one of the Surfer Magazine Red Direct entries. Yeah. And, um, and it, yeah, you know, it, I was trying really hard to want to like it, you know, and, and, and Again, it's kind of like, where do we go from here? You know, okay, we've got the artsy-fartsy shot. Now let's get some super radical slow-mo, high def. Uh, You know, the surfing, it is what it is. You know, it's good. There's some moments at at various points in time in in those different entries that are worthy to watch. But, you know, it's sort of like if you're a filmmaker, I'll just play devil's advocate because I agree with everything you said. But just to play devil's advocate, what would you have them do? You know, like where were they missing? Are you do you just not want any more artsy fartsy 
it does it because you and I discussed this offline last week. We said it felt sort of forced, like they're like, oh, I better throw in the you know the artsy fartsy forward mustard grass, you know, with the sun setting thing or whatever yeah. the hell it is. Um, and and you know the Connor Coffin stuff, the Coffin Brothers one was really forced. I thought the the B roll of them driving around, I could just literally hear the guy going, okay. Point to the train, you know, right. like I just heard it in my head. I was right. like, oh my God, this is the shot you're giving me? Yeah. Like, this is so unnatural. They're like, oh, like this, you know, and it was just, I, so, but what do you want them to do? Like, what's next? Like, like you know, they're in a, they're in a box, which is the reason why surf films are kind of lame. Right. It's like, okay, you're going to tell me that surfing's great, been done. You're going to show me artsy fartsy stuff, been done. You're going to show me great surfing, been done. Everything's been done. Right. Except maybe some crazy documentaries that really go down a different path and aren't necessarily about surfing at the end of the day. The themes are whatever they are, selfishness or drug intake or, you know, music or whatever it is. Well, um, I would like to see some sort of thinking outside the box like that. I mean, the documentary thing is great. I always enjoy that. And to a certain extent, the John John Florence one was a little bit of a documentary. The... Uh, Jason Baffa That was one. the best one, right? The John John Florence one. Well, I thought so. I did too. And then the Jason Baffa one with Tyler Hetzikian was a little document, like a documentary as well. And that we poo-pooed, but honestly, that's the number two contender right it now is. out of all these. It is. These other ones have been worse. I will say, um, I'll answer your question again in a second, but the Aaron Lieber film about Noah Beshin was actually Noah Beshin shreds. Like yeah. Noah's surfing was incredible. And it was also aesthetically the most beautiful, I thought. The way it was shot was the most beautiful, yeah. but left something to be desired in terms of originality. And the song selection was horrendous. Right. You know, um, but that's just an opinion. Like, I mean, I guess it's all opinion, right? But it, it is. Sans will, music, it was pretty good. Yeah, the the entry song that was like atmospheric worked well, but then it went into a rock song for the surfing, and it was just like the worst song ever. But it was still used the Almond Brothers. Definitely should have used the Almond Brothers. Note for the filmmakers. <laughs> so um, there's a song called Blue Sky. You cannot go wrong. Just you cannot Blue Sky. Definitely uh, eat a peach, right? Yes, sir. Is that the album? Yes, sir. Very so, good. Ding, ding, ding. Um, we have a winner. So the Noah, Noah Beshin was ripping. There was a couple of angles. There was one angle. I think it was at Puerto Escondido, like a medium-sized day on the right that Noah Beshin was getting barreled. And they were tracking right outside the tube on a wave runner. And Aaron was sitting on the back of the wave runner filming into the barrel. So it's like they're tracking at the same um, speed of the wave while Noah's getting tubed just on the shoulder of the tube, basically, filming. So he's driving through the barrel and we're at the same motion of the wave, same speed. And I thought that was a really innovative angle that, I mean, it was awesome. So I appreciated that. That Um, might not have been Puerto. That might have been that other great Mexican beach break that shall remain nameless. Yeah, maybe. Um, Go ahead. So that that one video stands out as being you know a little different but again wasn't didn't live up to the potential that i had for this red direct series now i'm hinging all of my hopes on chris bryan's entry which is going to be the final video and it's with craig anderson and um i forget who the other surfer is maybe it's dion Agius. Mm-hmm. i'll have to look it up yeah. but chris bryan's filmmaking and filming has always been incredible and i well, think that's the thing those other guys some of those other guys we would hang our hats on as well like jason yeah, you baffa would so. you would you would you know anyway go ahead well so you're hoping because of chris past stuff that it's going to live up and craig anderson as well, well is just yeah. a poetic beautiful yeah, surfer you exactly. know and chris bryan is the guy who um doesn't release stuff unnecessarily like he will 
hoard all this stuff for years to put out an A plus, you know, right. whatever. So I, I kind of, I believe in his philosophy and mm-hmm. men- mentality behind filmmaking. But to answer your question about where do we go from here, you brought up a good example last week, which was um, that that uh, throwback type of a surf film that was like half scripted where they're going to go to um, the, the country of Calderon and like spy on the country. So there was a script involved and there was acting and that has bit us in the butt as well with some of Taylor Steele's efforts in the well, past. Look, all of that stuff's kind of just hackney. Um, you know, it's all, it's all kind of just tongue in cheek. You mm-hmm. know, it's all just to set up the, we, look, we went surfing and here's the footage and I, I wanted to do something different. So we just had fun with it. Right. I mean, you're not going to expect anything other than that to come out of that. You're not going to get some great. Here's why it's hackneyed though, is because they come up with a script and then they go film a surf trip and they try to mash them together. I want to see something where the angles of the surf trip and the setup of the shots and where they're shooting, all that stuff is integrated into the larger script where they're, they set up a concept like skate videos do and snowboard videos where they set up a concept and then they execute and they set up shots and they bring props and things like that. You know what I mean? So we're not going necessarily just to find the best waves and stop the biggest alley-oop in the world unless the alley-oop fits the greater purpose of the art piece you know what i mean that's kind of what i'm thinking well it'll be interesting to see what chris comes up with um you know i sort of wonder what the guys at surfer how they feel about what you know how you just get the sense that there could have been something better yeah you know, especially with just these great cameras and it's great opportunity. I mean, the cameras are all about high definition, slow mo, right? I mean, isn't that what that camera? And I'm no expert. Yeah, but I'm assuming that that's what that camera is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow we got to get that camera onto the helmet of you know Koa Smith or somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, somebody I, that's pulling into the barrel of Chopu and yeah, just kind of a sidebar. I just saw on Instagram um, this morning that. Shane Dorian posted a new GoPro 4, I think it is. Is that the... The brand new one. It's like this tiny little square. Oh, wow. Um, So I guess they're going to have a new product on the market soon. But one film... I don't know. What are you laughing at? I just, just GoPro is like, as soon as you think you're up to speed, they're like, we got a new product. You're like, oh shit. It's I technology, got a, man. I got a new Apple iPhone. I got to get a new one of these. Yeah. What happened to the old one? Um, so there, I remember GoPro when it had film. I think I've told you. We used to put film in GoPros. There used to be like film. Like you would literally take the whole camera and drop it off at the Kodak place and it would develop your film. What? Yes. Well, it wasn't a GoPro though. It was. The brand GoPro yeah, itself. Yes. No way. Yes. Like an early edition. The very first edition Crazy. had film in it. Yeah. Crazy. Um, so a couple of other things from Webland, um, not related to Red Direct. Reef just released a new film called Exit. Did you try to watch it? I haven't seen it. The thing is an 18-minute waste of time, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> we are bashing hard. No, that's what I'm saying, dude. I'm, this surf film thing, I'm, we're, we have all this content. None of it's worth watching. Wow. So that's where I, we're Is at. it because our bars? So, I mean, I was thinking about this, too. There's so much radical footage out there that unless you're... Like, the bar is so friggin' high. But why I mean, even, what, let me ask you this. I didn't see the reef thing. I'm sure there was red-hot quality surfing going on, right? Taylor Knox, by, by, Mick Fanning. By 2009 standards, maybe. Right. Like, the surfing in it was not A-plus clips. You and I sort of demand... 
you know, we demand Clay Marzo, Craig Anderson, all at their highest levels, right? Um, it's because there's a hundred guys to choose from surfing the best waves in the world every day. Noah Dean. Isn't Noah Dean in that? No. No. He's no. Doesn't he's, he have something out? A new clip out or something? No. I, not that I know of. Hmm. But it's like, well, because of that swell in the Indian Ocean, we're seeing the best surfing in the world happening to the minute on Instagram. So if Reef takes a year to put together a film it's too late. with... It's a year too late. Not only is it a year too late, but you've got Mick Fanning and all these great surfers. If you took a year to put this together, it should be the best of the best. And right. it's not. Right. It's their B clips, basically. Right. So, because you know how it happens. And I'm, I'm assuming a lot here, but as I recall, basically Reef's like, hey, let's put together a movie featuring our team riders. Okay, call Mick's guy and you call Taylor's guy and you call... And those guys all go, yeah, I got some stuff. I'll give you some of my stuff. And they just give them the B and the C because they're hoarding the killer for their release. Right. Because this is a free film that's going on YouTube. You right. Know? I, I mean, so, maybe that's part of what it is. I'm sure that's it. But it, again, just super mediocre. Um, Creed, McTag- Creed McTaggart just put together um, like a... I think it's about a 15-minute film with Toby Cregan is his filmmaker's name. It's called Real Axe. And that is on Stab, and it's going to be a recurring series. Uh, this first episode was shot in New Zealand. And again, waste of 15 minutes. Wow. It's like Creed, I don't think Creed surfs that good, first of all. I think the guy is overrated. Yeah. Toby's films are all right. There was some Dave Rastovich footage that was really cool. Yeah. But again, just drinking beers in between sessions, hanging out, lighting stuff on fire, goofing around in the bar, and then cut to clips of him doing down carves on a on a right point break that you and I could do. You know what I mean? Like, not into it, <laughs> nice. dude. I'm going off right now. Um, now, <laughs> not into it. Here's here's what I will say. Yes. Uh, Matt Miola, Albie Layer, that whole Maui crew. Yeah. They do a phenomenal job. They just launched a new series called The Habitat. I think they did season one last year. I think this might be season two because I feel like I've seen it before. But it's called The Habitat, and it was legitimate. They use red cameras as well, and do some unbelievable surfing. Their um, filmmaker guy, I think his name's Elliot Lebo, who they've been working yeah. with for a few years yep. now. Yep. He does a spectacular job. I don't know what his backstory is, but I mean, their clips are not only A clips, we've seen Matt Miola's spindle flip, but he does a ton of crazy airs that he just looks, he makes look effortless. In the way Parco makes a rail carve look effortless, Miola's doing these tur- these airs that you almost just write off because he makes it look too easy. And then you go back and watch it and you're like, no, that was the most technical spin I've seen, you know? And then Albie Layer one-ups him. He's doing these really boned out, tweaked straight airs. Like straight air, bones out the tail towards shore and then like shifties it back into place and lands like a straight air. It's insane, you know? And then he does the the most massive club sandwich turns I've ever seen. Crazy. <laughs> So I'm the club sandwich. Is that the one that Dane did at Haliva? No, Dane just did a layback. It's the one that Josh Kerr does. Dane does them too, though. Rail grab into the lip, upside down nose pick. Yeah, I thought thought that's what Dane Reynolds did at Haliva in that competition. That was just come on. It's just the biggest slam ever that he did. Okay. He doesn't. He doesn't spin through. Doesn't it. do a club sandwich. And he doesn't oh, grab. He didn't, the, he didn't spin through. He doesn't spin okay. and he doesn't grab it's the rail. It's the same thing, but but the spin through is the club sandwich part part of it. It's the club sandwich because it includes a little bit of everything. It's a rail grab. <laughs> Hold the mayo. Hold the mayo. It's okay. a rail grab 
it's a power turn. Right, it's a power It's a fin-free flick. Fin, fins go free. And upside, you, down. upside down. You, you're kind of in the barrel when you start it, wow. you know? So it's a little bit of everything. Uh, by Hawaiian the way. kick out? Is there a Hawaiian kick out in there at all? There should be afterwards. <laughs> Derek Riley coined that term. Yeah, I, I did read about that. So, but I mean, Albie does one. He does a bunch of them, but he does one that's just like mind-blowing. It almost needs a new name. You know, because it's that it's that much ratter than a regular club sandwich. That stuff is um, insane. So that the habitat again, if there's any hope for filmmaking and kind of quality of surfing, those guys in Maui are well, slam look, dunking if, it. If there's, we know there's hope for quality filmmaking because we just saw probably the best clip of the year in that Kandui footage from FTR Films that's on Vimeo. That no Kandui. Five or six minutes of that, however long it is, yeah. is just mind-blowing. And it's just straightforward. I don't even remember there being music to it. I'm sure there, there was, is. Yeah. But it's just straightforward, mind-blowing, 8 to 12-foot swell yeah. in perfect aqua blue, sunny. It's like everything you could ever dream of and just hairball. Yeah. And so that clip right now is probably the best clip of the year being July. I mean, could you say that that's the best clip of the year? It could be, but I would say... The strength of that clip is strictly the waves and the surfing. That's fine. That, yeah, it, that says a lot. The filmmaker you know? just got out of the way of good waves perfect. and surfing. Perfect. Yeah. You know, totally. That's, that's great. Yeah, and I think that to to the point about filmmaking, surf filmmaking is that is the problem nowadays. Is filmmakers trying to leave their thumbprint on mediocre uh, raw material? It's like, well, we didn't have eight foot no can Dewey, so how do we make this look cool? In many ways, it, it sort of mirrors some of the problems with the WSL. You know, like we've got the Rio Pro, it's crappy, it's small. Let's try our best to just glory it up somehow. And add some you, spice. There's nothing you can do to it. It's right. just shitty two foot beach break. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then you know you've got the the uh, Fiji Pro, and it's insane. And you're like, wow, best contest ever. Why? Because it was eight to twelve foot. Right. Well, let's talk about the swell of the century that hit the Indian Ocean, man. What do yeah. you know about it? I pretty much know what everyone else knows. But you you're know? you're the forecast guy. Um, I know that Preach. it was a beast, and I know that you know it, it was just a massive low pressure that spun up, you know, a long period, a lot of big energy, and what what waves were good? Um, well, Padang Padang was really good. Yeah. I actually watched Padang Padang on my Surfline Premium membership for mm. all you know most of the day, just like the the webcam single stack. Yeah, it's a shot. really good cam though. It's yeah. one of the best cams they probably have. I mean, yeah. it's just a no-brainer. It's just right on the spot and you blow it up to your full screen and it's pretty, it's like you're sitting there. Just perfect waves. And the lighting's out. really good. So it always, it's always like back or front lit. You yeah. Know? So it's really good lighting. And uh, so Padang was really good. I know Ulu was maxing and huge. Um, and and Ulu's much more like sunset. It's much more like open ocean oh shit, I better get a bigger board. And Padang's a little bit more streamlined and perfect and hollow. And, yeah. um, and so I know, you know, that I saw pictures from West Oz that looked incredible. And, right. and, and you know, obviously in the Mentawise was incredible. And um, it was just, you know, I, I don't think my words are going to do it justice. I think everything we've already seen speaks to it better than anything I can say. It was just, you know, the swell of whatever. This, they're calling it the swell of the century. It was just a massive, massive low pressure. Can I tell you one of what I think is the greatest surf photos I've seen in a long time in regard to this swell? Did you see this image? That is insane. I did see this on Insta, and it's Craig Anderson after laying down a, a, a top cutback turn going down the wave face, and 
that's just a gorgeous again doing trying to describe this with words is just lame we're gonna have to put I'm gonna, this on your yeah we'll put it on surfsplendorpodcast.com and i'll instagram it out at surfsplendor but this picture does evoke everything like high speed high energy high drama gorgeous wave massive wave tons of power perfect style by craig anderson and and the board is very interesting if you blow the image up it's and you look at the four. board it's it looks small. It looks like he's holding on for dear life. If you look at the track behind him, yeah. it's not like he. It's like he started the turn and he kind of went, okay, let's just go yeah. straight. So basically, I'll try to describe this photo. It's at No Can Dewey, big. What do you say, ten to twelve foot left? Sure. Um, big left, and it's as thick as it is tall. Yeah, but it's kind of at a part that's gonna. It's just about to hit the reef and double up. And it looks like he was highline tracking up until this double up happened, and now he's just like crouched down and gonna head down the face down this double up but again like scott said the track that his board left uh behind is just looks interesting and the way that this the wave is starting to mutate is really interesting it's an interesting curvature and then craig ando's style is so rad and then he's riding a 5-4 which is just at 12 foot no can do he is way undergunned um the image is by iker san martin who's somebody i've never even heard of i've never seen a surf photo of him and i clicked on his instagram account and it's private so i don't think he's really trying to make a living surfing um but it's it's just a unique photograph. Like it looks different than anything. The moment that he snapped the photo, I don't think I would have even clicked the shutter because it's just this in-between moment. But Craig Anderson's style is one of those that's just so photogenic. And I always felt that way about Rob Machado growing up where certain surfers, you're only gonna run an image of them in the magazine if you take it at the peak of their turn or the peak of their speed or whatever. Rob Machado, you could take a photo at any moment on the wave and it's magazine worthy. He could be trimming, he could be bottom turning, he could be top turning, he could be kicking out, you know, it doesn't even matter. He could be standing up and just like pushing off his board in a push-up position. And that's kind of how Craig Anderson is. This is just a an in-between part of the wave that's non-consequential and it's beautiful. Like I want this yeah, on my wall. It's interesting because I think guys that have that style and that evoke that feeling are guys where you can sort of mind surf it, you know, because the the they have the ability uh, and their styles have the ability to put us imagine in an imaginary place where we can sort of mind surf it for them. So we don't have to see them at top action. Maybe that's part of it, you know, as I think through it, you know, cause there are guys like that and Rob and Aunt Craig Anderson. And um, I think Tom Kern's one of those guys. Sure. I think Dave Rostovich is one of those for guys. Sure. There's a handful of guys that are guys like that where you're like, wow, you know, like I can imagine, by the way, this image that David's talking about, this is an image that I think would be worthy of a large format framed piece, you know, and I mean like a six foot by six foot framed image in your living room. Like I agree. It's that kind of quality and, and, and evokes that sort of spirit where a non-surfer could go, wow, that's a pretty amazing photograph. You know, what's going on there? Yeah, you know? I agree. One of the best images I've seen in a long time. It reminds me, it's, you know, there's an image um, of, of uh, Conan Hayes, the Tom Survey took at Fiji on a before Toens, maybe it's like 1997 or something. And it's at that time, I, I think it was maybe the biggest wave ever photographed out there at Cloudbreak. Hmm. But it's one of those types of images where you're like, wow, you know. Like, is it like a real stormy type day? There's some chatter on the yeah. face, yeah, and it's a big ass wave, yeah. You know? And it's the kind of wave where you go, wow, I wonder if he got towed in. And it's right. sort of, I think, I don't know if it's pre towing, but it's before they were towing in out there, yeah. I think you're right. And that that's the thing with this image is it leaves a lot 
to the imagination and there's a lot of anticipation involved in the photo and there's a lot of wondering what took place based on his track like just before this it's like you see one it's a thousand words you know what i mean you see one little thing and then it just your mind explodes with potential of what came before what's coming next what's like yeah it's it's awesome yeah exactly right you kind of nailed it right there When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply so um swell of the century can do no can do so yeah. it used to be no can do right and then guys started making the barrel and now they call it can do uh you know there's a hundred different versions to that story how it got named um i i was under the impression we called it no can do and i was out there in 2001 and it was because, yeah, basically people were like, they weren't making it. Yeah, know? but once guys started, you know, making the unmakeable, yeah. now, then it went from no can do to uh, can do Yeah. Um, <clears throat> another video, two more video comments. Um, did you see Kalia Moniz's wipeout? That was radical, man. <laughs> I, I, I grabbed a screenshot of that right at the worst possible moment. And um, that's just... Wrong board. Kalia Moniz. Kalia Moniz, two or three time women's longboard champion. Great surfer. A great surfer surfing Chopu on like a proper 10 foot. From day. a great surfing family. Uh, yeah. And so she's surfing Chopu on a longboard and she gets a proper one. Did she get towed in maybe? I don't think maybe, but with that board, I don't think you need to get towed. Yeah. So she makes the drop and like gets mid face, starts trimming, but like too high. And the just, board just stops. Just yeah, kind of gets sucked in the up the face, like in the curvature, the sharp curve. The board can't hang. And she goes ass over tea kettle, basically, face first, and lands on the nose of the board before getting sucked over the falls with the board. Lands she like kinda, doesn't she do, do a turn upwards yeah. at some point? Like she's on the board backwards, maybe? Or like she- lands on her clavicle, basically, on the <laughs> nose of her board, like scorpion style. And then the thing, she just goes over the falls with it, like on a 10 I foot. think it's on stab, right? Or is yeah. it on beach grit? It's on stab. Yeah, it's on stab. That's right. We'll saw. post surfsplendorpodcast.com yeah spectacular and gets pretty shredded and they show uh monica burn uh like 
rubbing lime on her wounds afterwards, you know, on the reef wounds to disinfect it. But that was a well worth, you know, a two minute video that's well worth watching. <laughs> Better than the Red Direct? <laughs> it was actually. <laughs> it was spectacular. Well, speaking of the Moniz family, why yeah. don't we bust into the NSSA Nationals here in Southern California? Sure. And in North America, they had the North American NSSA National Championships. And I actually watched some of it. I couldn't believe it, but I think it was over July 4th or 3rd. I was in lockdown mode over the weekend at my house. It's rookie time of the year at the beaches around where I live. So I stay away and the waves are crappy. So anyway, I watched some of the NSSA Nationals. Did you watch any of it? Nope. Oh, it was pretty cool. It was actually... um, We've really changed roles here, Well. I just happened to tune in because I I figured we'd talk about it. I wanted to see it. So I saw this resurf. There was a resurf, and I apologize because I can't remember the names of the two guys, but there was some controversy. So these two guys had to go out and resurf. One of the guys' names is Flynn something, and the other, I can't. Miguel. Flynn Miguel. And the other guy's another Hawaiian guy, and I apologize. I just can't remember his name. They were in the juniors division, and whoever won this heat was going to go on to the finals, surfing a man-on-man final. And... um, this the guy who won the heat who beat Flynn McGill literally sat on him and they both paddled for the very first wave that came in it was the only wave that came in and they both paddled like right next to each other like madmen like it was a full scrum and it was whoever got to their feet first and the guy in yellow the other guy got to his feet first and rode the wave and got like a seven so he paddles back out and it was inconsistent hunting so he's sitting right next to him shoulder to shoulder again with Flynn again the only wave of a one wave set comes in again they both turn and paddle like madmen again the guy in yellow has more volume in his board catches the wave Flynn like tries to like kind of fall off into him to try to get an interference or something he can't do it the guy rides the wave all the way in gets another seven paddles back out sits right next to him it was pretty fascinating man on man like hassling you know it made me think gosh you know I know nobody likes hassling in surf contests. We want to see you guys win. But in this particular instance, when you're getting one wave sets and whoever catches the wave basically wins the contest or that heat. And there's no priority. There's no priority. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. It adds a lot of uh, competitive interest to it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. No, I did not watch that. And I'm assuming if his name is Finn, that it's Finn McGill, because that's the only Finn I know in that circuit. Yeah. But there yeah. might be others. You know? Yeah, I think you're right. That sounds right. So yeah. Seth Moniz, to get back to the Moniz right. segue, Seth Moniz uh, versus Mickey Clark in the finals of the Open Men's. His brother last year, I forget his name. Um, Josh. Josh Moniz won this event. And this year, Seth Moniz uh, winning the Open Men's. And Seth Moniz, as you recall, Peter Townend has him pegged as a potential world champion. Now, um, Strider Wazalewski was down there. He posted a photo of himself next to a big banner that had every past winner of each division. So since 1981, the winners of um, the Open Men's, the Open Juniors, the Open Boys, and the Open Mini Grom. All of those names, since way back when, there's I estimated it and I kind of half counted it up to be about 125 names on that board. How many of those 125 names, which are our national champions, how many of those went on to become world champions? Oh, gosh. Two? Four. Okay. Kelly and Tom, I would think. Kelly and Tom and CJ, who was a national champion. Sure. And Andy Irons, who I'm throwing in there, even though he would be a Hawaiian, at least in their... Vernacular, and you might not consider him a North American in the sure. surf space. So, if you don't consider Andy Irons, well, there's only three. Yeah. 
So my question to you is, and it's the same question I ask you all the time, but is North American surfing soft? I mean, is the NSSA broken? Is the WSA broken? Is our surfing competition broken here? Yes, they're soft. Or okay. is it because we've been dominated by Kelly Slater, so it's really kind of a skewed ratio. Three out of 125 out of 31 years, we've only had, or more, we've only had three North American champions. That doesn't seem good. No, it doesn't. And you're right. Kelly's thrown off the average for sure. But I think, yes, we're soft. But no, that system isn't necessarily broken. I think... So it's a larger issue with North American general entitled beach kids that just get everything and they just don't have the drive that like a blue collar Australian from, you know... Marimbula or whatever has, you know? That is the exact point that I was going to make. I watched um, a documentary this past week called Red Army. Have you seen this or heard of it? No, but I want to. It's about the Russian hockey teams back in like the 80s and stuff. Awesome. Yeah, where it's like they're in this, um, you know, this rugged landscape that in a communist country where they start them at three years old, put them in these training camps and just work them to the bone. These guys never get a day off and they're just animals. You know, they are, they are basically not even animals. They're machines who are just going to kill communist machines. Exactly. And then they, (laughs) and then they come over and play against Wayne Gretzky and these guys making millions of dollars, banging tons of chicks, (laughs) you know? And it's like literally, literally would beat the American teams 25 to one, you know, which in hockey is just nobody scores 25 goals. And that like, it was unreal. And then, um, I mean, a lot of people probably know the story, so I don't need to really retell it, but it's like, eventually Americans are able to bring over one of those Russians, pay him a decent amount of money, but he doesn't quite fit in with the American team. But then they get another Russian. Eventually they get five Russians on a team and then they take over. And now their way of playing has infiltrated our system and the Americans have benefited from a lot of their coaching technique, training technique, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that's cool. But it's the same thing that we're seeing now. So that's called Red Army documentary. It's worth watching. Yeah. Um, But now we're seeing that with, we've seen it with the Australians, but now we're seeing it with the Brazilians to an extent. And the Brazilians don't have the same training regimen, but they have the same drive that that I'm talking about here, where it's like, you just have to work for it. Your equipment sucks. Your environment sucks. But how with, bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Right. You know, and I think, you know, if we can as Americans. So who's at fault? Do you think it's the surf industry, the big players that are like, hey, Luke Davis, don't worry about winning. Just go out and shred and look good on Instagram and you're you're good. Like it, to an extent. Yeah. You know, who who is at fault? Is there any way to right the ship or are we just going to be happy with? mediocrity i think um a little of both i think luke davis he can make just using him as an example he can make a living doing what he's doing and he doesn't and who cares like reef is happy they're making they're selling um sandals and shirt or uh, shoes based off of what he's doing i mean if if who cares is the attitude then why do we even have the nssa like because that's a different program the nssa is for competitive track surfers and i know luke but they're failing Right? Yeah. Wouldn't you argue that they're failing? But so Luke doesn't fit into that. Equation. No, I agree with that. I, but yeah. my point is, is, is if the industry's like, hey man, everyone's happy. You're doing, you're ripping. Just keep ripping. Play guitar, blah blah blah. If that's what the industry's uh, messaging is, then why does the NSA even exist? Like, well, why isn't the industry like, damn it, we need a world champion. If we, if we don't have a world champion, 
we're useless. I, you know, because the industry doesn't care, and I don't blame them. From a business standpoint, I get right. it. They're selling product. They don't need the NSSA. They don't need a world champion, you know? Here's what they got to do, is those guys who are coming up in the NSSA, like the Moniz brothers and um, whoever else, they have the, to, they the have handlers to. around them really need to manage that. And the companies, I think there is danger in paying those 16-year-old kids 200 grand a year for surfing. You know what I mean? There's yeah. da- there's inherent Jordy danger Smith in that. syndrome. Exactly. And so- Is Jordy Smith ever going to be a world champion? Come on now. We've talked about this. <laughs> okay. I don't want to get Just into checking. that. So um, the Moniz parents, you know, what is it, Tony and Tammy, need to manage that income- Give the kid an allowance, basically, and be like, hey, this is all going into an account that you won't see until whatever the date is. and Until you become and, a world champion. Yeah, hit the gym. In the meantime, hit the gym. Right. And we'll make sure that you are that you have a rental car when you land in South Africa to surf Bolito or whatever. Yeah. But hit the gym and uh, watch your diet in between. And that's, that's the only way to do it. Make them work for it, you know? Well, it's an interesting thing. I mean... Uh I just don't see any hope for, again, Seth Moniz would be considered a Hawaiian. He wouldn't be considered a North American champion, so to speak. I'll take it. I'll claim him, though, as a North. Like, if he wins, I'm claiming him as my own. Okay, but he's not claiming you. He's claiming I don't need Hawaii. his claim. Okay. I got a so, microphone. Well, then he doesn't not, have a microphone. Why not, just, why not just claim Mick Fanning, then? Because <laughs> uh, that's not part of the United States. Hawaii right, is. but either it's Hawaii in the surf space. I'm not talking about surf space. It's yeah, surf- we are. We're talking about the surf competition when space. It's, they're, when they're it benefits Hawaii. me, it's part of the surf oh, space. And when no. it doesn't, it isn't. You sound like so. one of these entitled punks from SoCal. I am from SoCal. So. Are you an entitled punk? Uh, Let's sp- cut to the chase. Speaking of, no. Speaking of Hawaiian <laughs> surfers, you want to talk about the NFLer who just wants to shred? Yeah. Let's talk about that because that's BS. Is it? Yeah. Uh, what's the story? The story is that it was reported that Marcus Mariota, the first round draft pick, he went to the Tennessee Titans, that he wasn't, he was the second pick overall, that he wasn't going to sign with the Tennessee Titans because he wanted to surf. There's a no surfing clause and like a no rock climbing clause. And there's these clauses that basically say, look, if you sign with us, we don't want you doing stupid stuff like high diving or whatever. And, um, the report was that Marcus Mariota wasn't going to sign it because he wanted to go surfing. When in fact, the reason he didn't sign it is because of this thing called offset salary, which is in your fourth year, if you get traded to another team, which of those two teams, the team trading you or the team getting you, has to pay that fourth year salary? And there's some issues that are sort of too in-depth to discuss at this level, but it had nothing to do with not surfing. That was just something somebody glommed onto and the entire world went on marcus mariota doesn't surf oh, FYI, I didn't know that. he doesn't even ride waves okay now he's from he hawaii he probably body surfs at you know Makapu sure. or whatever but my point is is that and by the way he's in, you know even if he did surf he's a smart enough kid that he wouldn't jeopardize his whole 24, future 24 million dollar four-year contract to ride a, you know like guess yeah. what you're going to be able to surf eventually whatever right like Drew Brees surfs. You right. know, it's not that hard. Right. Um, so anyway, that's a BS story that, that was debunked like the next day. So here's, that's kind of, I agree with you. Like the surf world ran with that prematurely. As not you, just the surf world. It was picked up. Probably the inertia threw it out there and it got, <laughs> it got picked up by like, you know, who, you know, the Daily Mirror in the UK and yeah. stuff like that. Well, you and I often like to talk about stories become, before they become substantiated. So, oh yeah, but I, I don't we're want a podcast. to. Uh, yeah, and we we always we're use the word. Different. We always use the word assuming. We're held to a very different standard. 
our own standard that has no standards. Very low one. (laughs) We have none. Um, But here's my question to you: Is like podcasting. Here's my question to you. Yes, sir. Should contracts um, for elite athletes stipulate how they spend their recreational time? Like, should should Hurley be telling John John Florence that he can't go skate? No, because that's you know that's in that's John John's DNA is to skate. He's a skater. He's a surfer. He, like Hurley's a skate company. I mean, they're a youth lifestyle company. They're like, dude, go to go to friggin' Coachella. You know, like wear your Hurley shit. We're all about that. Well, that's very different. No, my point is, is it's youth lifestyle. Anything that's youth lifestyle is like, go do that. Yeah, that's what you're all about. Now, the the, the if, odds if of him was, getting getting injured at Coachella are a lot slimmer, unless it's. STD contraction or well, something. No, but that's but, my point. Like at Coachella, you, get, you know, there could be an Instagram photo of John John doing sure. some drugs okay. or something, okay. you know, and that could maybe, but Hurley's probably like, nah, dude, youth lifestyle, run with it. Right. You know, let's make fun of it. You yeah, know? yeah. Again, yeah. we're not spreading rumors about John John. We're just using this as a. Uh, I'm just, I'm just saying, John hypothetical John's situation. A, John John's a fantastic skater, and he could pretty easily take a slam in the bowl. Well, he's already hurt himself, but he hurt himself surfing, coincidentally. By the way, is he out of J-Bay? Now, that is controversial. He is not officially withdrawn. I checked this morning, but in a little interview that Brett Simpson did with Peter King that they put up on Stab, he's selecting his, Brett's selecting his fantasy team, and he goes, oh, can't put John John because he's injured. And then Fantasy Surfer put out a tweet that said, stand by, we're going to find out. And so I took him off my team. Okay. Yeah. uh, I don't know. Officially, we don't know. Back to Marcus Mariota and contracts. Okay. Um, the answer is it depends. It's a case by case situation, sure. right? Yeah, you know? totally. Now, if Marcus Mariota was a surfer, and this came up, I'm sure he would. No, they would negotiate the contract so that he could surf in the off season, but not during the season. Or whatever. Here's what I would argue: is that surfing is actually beneficial to your football um, athletics. Like surfing's a perfect cross training sport with actually pretty low risk of injury. There's certainly more. You know, there's. A higher risk of, of injury, like you know, pumping iron. I would running. imagine running. Running, you'll do more damage to your body than you will surfing. Riding yeah. a bike on the streets, totally. the busy streets of SoCal. Totally. Yeah. So case by case situation. Um, yeah. Regarding surfers, should there be clauses? Can you think of a, a good what what clause would you put on John John? No. <sighs> I remember hearing about Kelly having some alcohol drinking clause in his contract back in the day, like. You, you're not allowed. A, he's never been a drinker. Well, I know that he never has just, but I remember reading at some point that it was actually written in the clause like he wasn't allowed to drink during the world title rush, you know, <laughs> or whatever. That, was, that might have been Aki's contract, <laughs> oh. <laughs> or it should have been. Brutal. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, Ak. look, it's part of their culture. Yeah, Thousands. no, it is. I, I, yeah, I mean, I again, I that was really not substantial. I can't think of any situation, any surf, like what, there's no surfer that I can say, hey, we've got to put this in his claws so he doesn't do that so he doesn't blow it. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's just kind of hard to, yeah. you know, I, I don't know what that would be. Yeah, I don't either. But, um, you know, we're not investing $24 million a year in a guy like no, Tennessee Titans are. But I agree with you in theory that it's like, look, this is a lifestyle and these things are part of the lifestyle and I don't want to inhibit. It's sort of like when you go to the airport and you check in and you're like, and and they're and the airport people say okay well surfboards are 150 bucks but golf clubs are free right and you're like what and yeah. so I, I get the sense that they kind of lump surfing in with all of these like extreme sports or you know they're like no wingsuit flying right you know no rock climbing without a tether 
and no surfing. Right. Know? Totally. <laughs> they just kind of lump it in there. Well, in regard to injuries at J-Bay, Jeremy Flores officially withdrew um, based on the injury he sustained that we discussed in our last show. So Jeremy's out. Alejo is back in. So Alejo is going to make a run, basically. He's kicked off the tour this year, but he's got a bunch of wild card spots. Those points contribute towards his total to qualify for next year, and he won the Bolito event, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. So Alejo is definitely spicy. dangerous. Yeah, I would say he's dangerous. He's pissed. He's got nothing to lose. He's going to go into J-Bay after you know a bunch of confidence from winning just yesterday or the day before the Bolito event. So, and I... I've got him as my uh, wild card or my stand-in or whatever it is. Oh, uh, yeah, alternate. Alternate, thank you. Yeah. Um, but I, he's not on my team. But well, I do have Dane Reynolds. I, I put Dane on my team, too. Yeah. Um, so, Dane, by the way, Fantasy Surfer is what Scott and I are talking about, fantasysurfer.com. And then we have a clubhouse. It's the Surf Splendor Clubhouse. You're welcome to join and play against us for free. There's about 250 members. But also— note, I'm kicking David's ass in that clubhouse. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> And uh, there's also, we have a wager going on. If you want to contribute $10, again, you could play for free, but if you want a wager, you can do that. It's 10 bucks per event, winner takes all. And um, you could do it through PayPal and just send the payment to hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. Make sure that you write your name, your handle, your fantasy surfer name with your payment. I've gotten a, a couple of payments with no name and I have to follow up with an email and ask what your name is. And then secondly, there was a couple of people in Fiji who were playing on the World Surf League's fantasy pool, fantasy team, not fantasysurfer.com. So that was their mistake. I'm applying those payments now for this event. So just, I want to make sure you play fantasysurfer.com is where we're playing. And all of this information is on surfsplendorpodcast.com. There's a fantasy surfer tab um, on the menu. Go there. It gives you all this information in case you didn't pick it up right now as I said it. But um, definitely play against Scott and I. This is the first time in the season he's been ahead of me, by the way. No, it isn't. The first time in the season. I've beaten you three out of five events. Heck no. Yes. Yes. Look at this. Whatever points points I accumulated in the first couple events trumped your three events. So I was ahead of you in the rankings up until now. Uh, I don't think so. That's the truth. I'm not not convinced of that. You don't even check in on this stuff. I do too. You check like every two months. Dude, I'm sending you money right now. You already paid you for paid? This, I paid for this one? Yeah. Oh, okay, kill it. No, saying. well, you paid for two events prior oh, to Fiji, okay. so I applied it to this oh, event. Good. Okay. Unless you were paying for the women in Fiji. Hell no. Is that what you were doing? No, nothing wrong with women surfing, but I just don't follow it that. By the way, it's like there's, what are there, 12 girls? It's not that hard. You got to pick six or something? I think it's evident that Scott hates women surfing. <laughs> no, so. it's not. I love women surfing. I'm just not convinced women's competitive surfing is my t- cup of tea. Discuss this at your next no ma'am meeting. <laughs> no ma'am. Uh, I see here that uh, Grubby Clark, legendary Gordon Clark of Clark Foam fame, is being inducted into the Surfers Hall of Fame this summer. So congratulations to one of the saltiest characters out there, Gordon Clark, um, a guy who basically sort of carried and owned the surfboard industry for about 30 years. And um, he's going to be inducted here in HB, your very own Huntington Beach. How about that? Yeah. Big news. All right. You don't you don't like that story. I do like that story. I got I'm cool with it. All right. Um what's going on with Reddit, dude? Uh I don't know. I've kind of um we've Rory, been, Rory Parker, yeah. right? He he writes for um Beach Grit. He asked David and I to be on Reddit 
this week sometime, I think Thursday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Ask me anything. Ask me anything on Reddit. And I, I don't even know what really what it is, but I guess people just throw questions at us and we answer them throughout the day. And it's just a type, it's a typewriter. It's a typewriter. <laughs> 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 That's how old I am. I use the word typewriter. What's a typewriter? <laughs> I don't know. But we just, we just message in our answers, right? I'm going to send smoke signals, actually. What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> that's super old school. I'm going to hire a plane to fly by with the banner I'm behind I'm going to be it. using my typewriter, damn it. Um, <laughs> so, I'll send you a page, by the way, when we're ready to do this to your pager. You know, oh, and then you oh. <laughs> anyway, we're on Reddit, I guess, on Wednesday. Are we really doing this? Because I haven't... I don't know You're what, the one, it, what are we supposed to do? Like, so ask, I, actually, I need Rory to kind of step up and babysit us through this. Okay. I, I'm not really sure what to do. For the listeners. Do I have to log in? No. You, I mean, you just create an account and answer like you're one of the other people asking the question. I'm oh, pretty okay. sure is how it works. Right. So Reddit does this thing called Ask Me Anything where they have experts in a given field. By the way, Scott and I are now experts in surfing. <laughs> um, Typewriting. So experts in a field and um, the users of Reddit can log on and ask anything, ask me anything. Uh, President Obama did it at some point and they've had um, the guys from Beach Grit do one. Matt Warshaw did one. And uh, so I think we're third in line, dude. Well, it's funny because I went on, I, I actually, you know, when you and I were rapping about it on Facebook, I um, I went on there and there's some hullabaloo about Reddit and they fired some um, volunteer moderator and now a lot of the Reddit subcategories are just closed because the moderators are all up in arms mm. and they all basically boycotted. Mm. I don't know. Did you see any of that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Do you use Reddit? No, ever? obviously I don't. I don't yeah. know anything about it. Yeah. So, Well, for the listeners who want to ask anything, the idea is it's kind of like, um, like if you had a radio call-in show and you get callers, you know, that call live, it's like that basically. Just like instead of calling, they're just submitting questions. Um, so, Ask me anything Wednesday morning on Reddit. Be there or be square. Scott and I might not even be there, so <laughs> we'll be the squares. I, I, you know, I want to do it. I'm just yeah. No, I'm. I, I'm I, is it as easy as just whenever we just log in mm -hmm. every hour and answer a question? Okay. Yeah, basically, people submit. I mean, if it was, if we were as popular as Obama, we would set a two-hour window and sit in front of the computer and just answer questions rapid fire. But I don't think we're that popular, so we'll. Questions can come in from 8 a.m. onward, I think, throughout the day. And then you and I just check in periodically and answer whatever questions have popped up. On Wednesday. Yeah. Right. So if you want to know what Scott looks like in a Speedo or something like that, he can take a photo in the mirror and send it to you That's on Reddit. That's probably not uh, going to happen. Well, whatever they want to know, dude. <laughs> uh, what else? I got kooks and dukes and must-see moments. What do you got? I got a ton more Oh, do you? here. Yeah, I mean... Um, shark attacks have skyrocketed, David, in the uh, month of June. Crazy. Yes, and it is kind of crazy, really. I mean, there was a couple of those attacks in North Carolina where two kids got their arms bitten off. In two days. Yeah. Um, another one on July 1st um, in the Outer Banks, a 68-year-old man was attacked. He was swimming. He wasn't surfing. Then there was this um, another incident in Australia where – they were thinking about shutting down the Skullcandy Oz Grom Open, which is a pretty big junior event in Australia. There was um, an, in Balina, Balina, I think it is, Balina, East Balina, there was a big shark attack. Um, this guy got mauled. I think he, a bodyboarder, um, he's in critical condition still on the Gold Coast. Um, and so they were thinking about, wow, we just had the shark attack just um, 
you know, half a mile down the beach, we might want to close off or yeah. um, stop this event um, from happening. But um, they went on with the event and nobody got hurt. There was two and two days in South Africa as well in the last couple of weeks. There's been a bunch of sightings in right around Huntington Beach. Um, and they caught a they caught a great white off the pier at San Clemente. Did they really? Yeah. How big? An eight foot great white. Crazy. Off the pier in San Clemente. What the heck is going on, yeah. dude? So there's been a lot of shark mojo. It seems like there every summer there is. Of course, the shark attacks in North Carolina um, are crazy, but they happen a lot on right. that eastern seaboard because the bull sharks come in real close. Some are suggesting that because of the oil spill, the BP oil spill in the Gulf, that the lower part of the food chain has been decimated. And because of that, the whole upcycle of how the food chain reacts has moved up a level. And so basically sharks are coming in closer than they ever have. And they're extra aggressive because they're extra hungry because there's not their normal food source isn't there. And and it's this sort of trickle down effect. Hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm no expert. Yeah. Interesting though. Um, kind of scary. Like, I mean, with all the activity that's just been happening in Orange County, nobody's been bitten, but definitely scary. I've surfed my whole life and in different parts of the world and stuff. I've never actually seen a shark in the lineup. Have you? I've never seen a shark and I've seen um, like a little coral shark out at cloud break before, okay. but you know, I'm talking three feet, two feet, it's very small, you know, okay. with a mouth like that. Okay. Um, I've picked up a baby great white shark at Cardiff Reef one time. Why? Because it was, it was swimming in the lineup and swimming around with us. And eventually it came into the shore at a low tide situation. And, and I had the opportunity to just grab it. It was probably three feet long and pick it up. And some lady took a picture of it and everybody on the beach went, Ooh, ah, and I put it back down and it swam around through the lineup. It was so cute. It was a baby, crazy dude, a small little baby. It was a, a you know, just like a puppy, you know, and yeah. it was, it was very active and swam with all of us and then just took off and people kind of, paddled up paddled off with it you know to see where it went why i mean if there's a baby shark this in the was, lineup there might be a mama well, shark this in the was lineup. only two months after um a gentleman may i think his name was david martin was killed by a massive great white shark at at tabletops which is right next to seaside reef which is only a mile and a half down the beach from where i picked up this baby so that was a time i don't even remember the year i want to say it was like oh six or oh seven or something like that hmm there really was a tempting. lot of shark mojo going on in San Diego at that time. Yeah. Really tempting fate, dude. No, I was in, I was on the beat. I was in knee deep water or less. And it was super crystal clear. And this thing was, do it you, wasn't tempting. I don't tempt fate. Do you remember, <laughs> you know, that um, comic strip it's called far side. Yes. It's one panel, yes. you know, and it just has like one image and then like a caption underneath, maybe a word bubble or two in the screen. So I remember seeing this far side comic a long time ago. And, um, there's a it's a beach scene. There's a bunch of families on the beach with umbrellas and stuff, and they're all running towards the water. And in the water, there's a shark with a word bubble. And the shark's yelling at the beach, "Bear, bear!" <laughs> <laughs> so everybody on the beach is running into the water. You know, wow. I always thought that was pretty funny. Um, I, I did. I do have some insight about the Belita Pro, and um, I I don't know. Maybe we talk about this too much, but. Um, you know, the, the Belita Pro, from what I saw, it was a lot of aerials, a lot of um, high action 
small wave surfing going on. And I kept going back to Owen Wright's victory at Fiji at the Fiji Pro. So I want to revisit this idea of majors, of the WSL incorporating major tournaments. Um, here we are. It's Wimbledon week. The last two weeks have had, I've been watching Wimbledon tennis. That's a major. Golf has four majors. Tennis has four majors. Surfing, it seems, could have four majors. Um, obviously, the Fiji event is a major event, you know, eight to 12 foot beautiful. I mean, the surfing that the guys that won the Bolito Pro probably were going to smoke mm-hmm. Owen Wright during the Bolito Pro. Sure. It was windswell, two foot crap slop, and they were busting one air and getting through their heats. And I'm not taking away anything from Owen's air game because I know he does have one, but but he's a professional surfer, you know, a, a large physical specimen that can ride 12 to 15 foot cloud break or chopu or pipeline and absolutely dominate the guys that won the Bolito pro yep i would suggest to you that he could dominate alejo muniz although alejo's a great surfer and, and a ct quality surfer um so these major events um i just think it would add a little um you know it would add some i don't want to say spice it would just add some cachet i guess to the tour if they had Cloud break and Chopu and pipeline. pipeline for sure. And then the fourth one is <clears throat> J Bay. That's the what I have on my list is J Bay. Yeah. But it's got to be a wave where it's like, okay, this separates the men from the boys. Yeah. I'm not sure if J Bay separates the men. From, it's definitely a technically difficult wave to surf. Yeah. It's not Bolito. Yeah. Uh, so and, and and it has the sort of legacy that you would want. So it's definitely J Bay is like at the top of the list. We I would, can't think of another one on tour that's better than J Bay. We would need J Bay just to offset the barreling left hand. Exactly. No, yeah. you you absolutely nailed it. Yeah. I don't think it should be lowers. I don't think that's a major. Yeah. Um, but so those majors and and then my concept is because they're majors, they have a longer waiting period. Yeah. Especially for the finals. The finals have to be taken you know they need to take place in super high quality so the majors um they get more points towards the tour they get more money and they get a longer waiting period and these are our four majors and they're a big deal because of that and i just think it's something the wsl should look into and i think it's worthy i think our sport deserves it and and it's something i've been talking about for at least 10 years it's i've always because i'm a golf fan and i'm a tennis fan i've always felt that surfing should consider having a major I think it's a great step in the right direction. And I think you um, solved one of my concerns by extending the waiting period, which is just if Fiji was a major and then we got the conditions and swell that we got last year, you know, where it was shoulder high, that would be a problem. The whole world is watching, waiting to see the major. The people who normally don't watch surfing are now going to watch it because it's a major. And then it's shoulder high. You know, that yeah. would not be great. No, we and, and you know, the commissioner sort of needs to tailor when and why he runs the, you know, preliminary rounds based on what are we going to get at the end of this yeah. thing. And all eyes should be on the end of it, finishing in. And look, there's going to be times when it just doesn't work out no matter how hard you try. Sure. But, but uh, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, All right. Well, what else do you got? I got... Must-see moments and kooks and dukes, unless you got more. I, I'm, I'm ready for you. All right, my must-see moment. Yes. Fits in with me talking about filmmaking for the first half of the show. Yes. Kyle Boothman's Brainwork series goes two for two. You introduced us to his first video that he did with Anthony Tashnik a while ago. Um, 
Kyle Boothman's a Santa Cruz surfer and filmmaker. Came out of like the Quicksilver sponsored surf scene. And I don't know if he's still with them anymore, but um, developed an interest in filmmaking as well. And he made a movie or um, a little documentary type film on Anthony Tashnik three months ago called Brainwork. And um, I didn't know that it was going to be a recurring series, but he just released a second episode and it features surf photographer Nelly. Uh, Santa Cruz surf photographer Nelly, and it's done. Dave Nelson, yeah, done kind of to the same specs as um, the first part was. Just really well made, cool little documentary piece. A lot of interviews with Nelly and the, all the people around Nelly that have worked with him. Documents his early work, um, how he got into photography. Gives a lot of props to Tony Roberts, who's another um, Santa Cruz filmmaker and photographer. That's I was just going to bring Tony Roberts up. I he's he posted this cool photo of him using those shapeshifter tails mm-hmm. that David Barr made. Yeah. Did you see that yeah. on Facebook? Yeah. It'll be interesting because he's really good at sort of um, capturing and then showing us you know, what he's doing in the water mm-hmm. as well as behind the lens. But I'm looking forward to see how that shapeshifter, he, he had like 10 tails, yeah. 10 different tails for one board. It was kind of yeah. cool. I'm going to see, I'm going down there staying with Tony. Oh, really? On you're, Saturday. Oh, you're, you're tight with Tony. Oh, you're going down soon. Oh, Saturday. Well, I'm going to get the full rundown then. Yeah. Cool. I'm going to see the shapeshifter in action. Good. All right. Well, that'll be interesting. Um. Yeah. So this brain work thing, again, just a step yeah. in the right direction in terms of what we're, our lament about surf filmmaking, Kyle Boothman's nailing it. And and why is that? Like when you- when you, Story. Right. Exactly. It's He's all excavating a personality. Yep. You know? And, and so I think really you have a couple of options. You're like- I can excavate a personality. I can just get surf porn and show you the greatest surfing ever. Um, can I do both? Maybe in a longer format situation, you can if you get lucky. But um, or I can tell a documentary story based on you know the surf industry and the drug trade in 1975 or whatever. Right. But um, the answer to your question of where does surf film go from here? I think the answer is story, like. Kyle's using the implements of good quality equipment, cameras or whatever. I think he uses the red cam as well. And then good quality surfing. Those are the raw material. And now give me a really interesting storyline as well. And it doesn't have to be long form. It could be a three minute or a one minute film in, even, you know? I don't know if you, if you can I do a you story can. in one minute. I think you can, totally. Because what makes a good story, right? Conflict. So we need to introduce character, create conflict, and resolve the conflict. Maybe not resolve it, but ideally leave the, the viewer questioning what the resolution is. That's hard to do in a minute, man. I think it's doable. It's, it's very difficult. I'm not saying it's not doable. Um, but I think to really flat, like when you go, okay, this is a great story. Well, if it's a great story, you've got to do it there's way more than a minute's worth of, of buildup to it. Cause you, there's, yeah. you know, there's, I'm not asking for great. I'm just asking for conflict resolution. If you're going to give me this red direct thing and it's six minutes long, right. There's a lot of potential that's unfulfilled there. I would agree with that. So, and I think we both talked about that. Yeah. So Kyle Boothman slam dunk musty moment. It'll be on surf splendor podcast.com. Shout out to Nelly. And of course, Tony, by the way, oh, my musty moment is the one we already talked about, which is K K how do you say her name? Kalia Moniz. Kalia. Kalia Moniz wiping out at Chopu. It's insane. You got to Go see, see it. it. It is definitely a must see. Now, my um, Duke Kahanamoku of the week is myself. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
Damn straight. Okay. Explain. Because I am, along with Damian Hobgood and Sean Thompson, I'm partaking in the 100 Wave Challenge. In September, I'm going to catch 100 waves, uh, raising money for the Boys to Men Mentoring Program, which is this great program in San Diego and around the world, I'm finding out, that um, mentors uh, boys that don't have fathers that are taking their life into the wrong direction, uh, making choices that are going to affect them for the rest of their lives. And uh, these mentors um, help to guide kids along the right path. Um, these Some of these boys don't even know how to take a nail out of a log. You know, they were never told, hey, take the hammer, use the claw and use the leverage. Don't just pull up on it. You need to use the leverage. Simple things. Um, but anyway, I'm going to be catching 100 waves and I need your help. So go to 100wave.org and search for me and anyone else. You can give money to Damien Hobgood or Sean Thompson, but I'm asking for a dollar a wave. So if you are so inclined, and certainly obviously you don't have to, but if you want to help me as I raise money for this great um, Boys to Men mentoring program, 100wave.org, search for my name, and you can all the information, you can give, inf- uh, give your information there to, on how to give money. Awesome. Good job. That's been a great program. You've been involved for a number of years, and Seems to they do great work. Seems to be yeah, great really cause. Good. So my Duke gentleman by the name of Kurt Harper. Ah, uh, the I, world's this, oldest. This is a guy who didn't. This this is a great story. Like the this world's is, oldest Grom. Yeah, I've heard about this guy. I haven't yet completely followed it, but did you I heard watch, it's a tearjerker? It is. Did you watch the documentary? No, I need to watch. Okay, it. this thing. I mean, it could be a must-see moment. We should have spent the whole hour talking about this thing. Oh, maybe we need to next time. Yeah, this is the Duke. For sure. Not only of the week. I mean, this guy's the Duke, period. Right on. Kurt I gotta Harper. I got to check this out. This guy's 50 years old or something. Um, autistic? Suffers from autism. Yeah. And I've seen him around over time, and I've heard a lot of different opinions about him over time um, from different parents and stuff, but he hangs out at the NSSA surf contest religiously. Like, he's just a fixture there. But he's a 50-year-old dude, and he's high-fiving kids, spending times with time with a lot of the kids driving kids to and from the beach in his van and stuff and so a lot of the parents who don't know him have a lot of apprehension about who is this older dude hanging out with all the kids is the apprehension part of the story yeah yeah they interview a lot of the parents and stuff but he's been around the scene for 20 plus years you know and um in the documentary they even interviewed guys like Dane Reynolds. And Dane Reynolds is like, yeah, man, Kurt's been around the scene since I was a kid. He used to give me a ride to the beach when I was a kid. Wow. Kurt used to give Dane a ride. Yeah. And and everybody in between, like, he's just a fixture. And again, I've seen him. Yeah. And I've talked to parents over the years. And they were always, again, some of them are like, he's harmless. He's a great guy. Well, this documentary, it's about a 20-minute documentary, really gets into the heart of Kurt interviews his family interviews kids that grew up with him like dane um and even kids now and he is just the most genuine lovable loving guy he he lives in santa monica he works for william morris talent agency in the mailroom he's the longest employee that's been employed there you know in the mailroom <laughs> since william morris just runs the show there basically right. um but he's fully functioning like high level like he um he drives, gets himself around, pays all his own bills. He lives in a guest room behind his parents' house. His parents, hearing his parents talk about them and uh, talk about him and when he got diagnosed with autism as a child is just 
heartbreaking. You know, one of the first doctors who diagnosed basically said, look, you guys got to institutionalize him and he'll never live a normal life. And they just said, F you. We're not going to institutionalize our son. And thankfully they got second opinions and stuff. Um, but he lives the most fulfilling lifestyle out of anybody you know. Like this guy, Kurt, has more happiness and joy in his life than anybody you and I know and surfs all the time. He still actually surfs in the NSSA events, you know, and gets trophies and stuff. <laughs> and um, he's Good really he's really into trains. So he goes in train watching. He's got a police scanner. So he's really interested in just like hearing what's going on and, you know, what wow. with with the police department in San <laughs> like it's just the most interesting compelling character ever wow. so the documentary is called Kurt the story of the world's oldest grom we'll have it on surfsplendorpodcast.com Kurt Harper duke of the week well that's cool I, I look forward to seeing that I, I i have heard a lot of great things about this Kurt character yeah um my kook of the week is um guy you know me i'm the kook i am your kook for asking people to give me money for the boys to men mentoring program but i'm gonna go out there and say do it again um even though it's a kooky move i normally don't ask for money but um this is going to a great cause 100 wave.org you're you need to you're not trying at all anymore when it comes to duke and kook man you're just phoning it in and i like how you set it up he's a guy that you might know (laughs) he's a he's a local radio show host you may have heard of him his name's Scott Bass. Um, I hate to go out on a low moment with a kook after, you know, the Kurt Harper story. Uh, Michael Thompson. Oh, God. That guy's sad. Michael Thompson. He's sick. He's not a bad man. He's a sick man. I know. And that's kind of... Spiritually kinda, ill. He's spiritually ill. That's kind of... I'm almost embarrassed to... He's not bad. He's not a bad No, no, guy. no. And I'm embarrassed to even call him a kook because I don't really want to add more yeah. pain on top of it. Yeah. But let's just... We got a report on the story. Yeah, he got busted for selling cocaine or poten- or allegedly uh, having cocaine in his possession for sale. Yep. Baggies, cup, I don't a know, a scale. couple ounces, a no, scale. 52 grams of cocaine. Yeah. Um, he's been busted in the past for two felony DUI counts in Laguna. So he got arrested recently in Laguna. Michael Thompson, by the way, cousin of Sean Thompson, founder of Gotcha, um, clothing brand big wig in the the surfing industry but a guy who's got an addictive personality and is is, you know he's in my opinion he's well i'm not going to say what he is or what he isn't but but i agree with you he's he's sick he's not a bad person trying to get good he's a sick person trying to get well i like it and michael i'm not going to call him a kook based on what you said but selling drugs is a kooky move. That's a friggin' total kook move. So let's not um, there, glorify. So here was my conflict: is like, do we talk about this stuff? Do we not? And with the He's Andy, sixty years old, with I mean, the Andy Irons thing that went down, there was a lot of controversy. Of people should have talked about it when they didn't, and blah blah blah. So I'm kind of taking the stance that look, let's not glorify, let's not shame, let's just point out that this is taking place. Selling drugs is definitely a kooky move. This person needs help. Let's get this person the help they need. Let's not give them a long leash and allow them to perpetuate the damaging habit, you know? Yeah. And so a little public shame might do okay to serve that effort. And uh, that's all I got. Yeah, you know, um, speaking of Andy Irons, um, 
axle irons that little son of his is the cutest thing ever have you seen the instagrams that lindy puts out on I him do, he, yeah, is, yeah. he just like he's, he's bombing his street on a skateboard <laughs> he's just a full classic little towhead grom man and he was at the nssa nationals like high-fiving seth money somebody like br- you know brought him up to the guy and gave yeah. him a big high five and i'm a big fan of this little kid it's he's rad cool yeah kid. lindy's doing a good job with that um by the way where does that term towhead come from i've always wondered that white as a toe you know it's like if you got a, a toe head's like a white white haired but only white people have white toes i i don't know that's my horrible but, and your toe definition is, but your toe is no more white than your finger yeah or other parts of your body you know what you got me I'm so it, like i no, but i've always wondered that too it's like toe head like towing like the line or like i i like i don't even get it but uh we gotta maybe we'll do some research and figure that we one should out. try to figure out where the how toehead came about i'm somebody I'm, knows i'm always interested in the origin of words and the origin of sayings you know so um at any rate whatever scott you want to sign us off or what yeah and you know my um email surf san diego at gmail.com david's email hello at surf splendor podcast.com my twitter is at boardroom surf my insta at boardroom show and david's insta is at surf splendor simple as that yeah. ask us anything on reddit wednesday, oh, yeah, wednesday morning this wednesday that's july uh who 8th? knows july 8th yeah july 8th july 8th we're gonna be on reddit ask us anything and um until next time oh by the way next time oh this is gonna be our last show for like a month right? i'm gonna be i'm gonna be gone till july 28th i think yeah and then and where are you back, going i come back um well, I don't think we'll be able to do a show until August. I'm gonna I'm gonna be posting content, um, okay. profile pieces and stuff on SurfSplendorPodcast.com. But Scott and I with Surf News, yeah, I guess we should have discussed that before the end of the show, the final <laughs> minute of the show. Do you want to talk about where you're going? No, no, I'll All talk right. about it after. Okay, sounds good. Home. Yeah, until next time, adios and aloha. all right that is it for today's show i'm gonna let nina simone play us out um kind of in honor of her recent documentary on netflix if you've got netflix streaming it's on there it's probably on disc too um it's called what happened miss simone also highly recommended must see moment this week and all of the music that we um incorporate into the show We have a playlist of everything on surfsplendorpodcast.com. So um, you could click over to YouTube links for the music to listen for free, or we also embed a Spotify player of every song uh, categorized by episode. So it's really easy to search and navigate and incorporate into your own playlist. All right, so check that out along with all the other content that we have on surfsplendorpodcast.com, including 95 past episodes, all for free. And then, of course, just share them with friends. That's how we grow the show. I've told you before, I'll tell you again. All right. Thank you very much for listening. This is David Scales. I'll be back next week with an all new episode of Surf Splendor. But until then, I'm reminding you to get out in the ocean, catch a couple waves, and shred on.
his pockets and she wreck his days and she make him love her and she shoot fly away. She got a black dress on for a thousand dollars she wail and she moan.